0: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zeppound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Welcome to Spiritual Queen's Badass Podcast. My name is Emma Mumford, and I'm your host. I'm an award-winning blogger, YouTuber, life coach, badass entrepreneur, manifester, and author. My mission is to awaken and to inspire women to live their best lives now and to find their purpose in life. I do this through sharing the power of law of attraction and spirituality. I hope my podcast will inspire you to raise your game and to start living your best life today. Without further ado, let's get started with this week's episode. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me for another one of my Spiritual Queens Badass Podcast episodes. I am so, so excited for this interview today as we have the amazing Shaman Dirk with us. So, Shaman Dirk, if you don't know, is a sixth generation shaman, author of the best selling book Spirit Hacking, and a visionary for the now age. His focus is on the evolution of humanity and simplifying our lives through common sense. He's redefining what wellness means by putting the power back in people's hands so that they can consciously live their lives authentically and in alignment through his powerful ancient teachings he helps demystify spirituality making it attainable and understandable for the mainstream audience so welcome shaman
2: thank you for having me it's a pleasure to be here
1: Oh, I've been looking forward to this um, so much. And I'm so excited. We've never talked about, we've never spoken to a Sharma before on the podcast. We've not spoken about this. So we've got lots of juicy questions for you today. But first sure. of all, the one question that I love to ask everybody who comes on the podcast is when did you spiritually awaken? What's your story?
2: I was five years old. Uh, maybe that went actually more than five. Uh, I was maybe three years old. Yeah, three years old. I was in my crib. Um in my in the in my room, and I started noticing my different spirits and different people coming in and speaking to me and talking to me. And then, of course, my mom made it clear that it was the ancestors that were coming in because I kept telling her, oh, there's spirits in my room. you know there's these like, spirits. And then she explained to me, like, you know who they are and what they're doing there. So that was my first encounter. And then i it just grew from there, and it got like more and more intense as the years went on. Um, but I was already chosen to be in my family at, at around 11, 10 years old. I showed a great portion of the abilities that I have. And then from that point, um that's when i was like okay i need to start you know it was like this kind of very clear idea of me training and really connecting with the ancestors and also my family members and really learning so i kind of went into both sides of the training i went into like the shamanic side i also went into religion as well because i wanted to understand both and i wanted to understand how people think and why they think the way they do and why they why they choose the certain things that they do in their intellect Um, If it comes to sociology and then really understanding anthropology from the perspective of human awareness and then how we associate ourselves as a collective um, and also individual as well. So I wanted to be able to get that at a very young age. So I started really getting into that about 13, 14 years old, really studying and getting involved in sociology and anthropology whereas everyone else was doing like kid stuff, I would do that as well. But I also was doing a lot of my studying and being able to be the shaman that I was born to be.
1: Amazing. So you mentioned your mom and I've read this in your book as well, Spirit Hacking of. So was your mom spiritual then? I mean, was it good to have that influence in your life guiding you and saying, you know, this is what's happening?
2: I would say absolutely, uh, because I would say that I wouldn't have become who I am today. If it wasn't for my mom really you know guiding me and also my aunt guiding me and my sister guiding me and my nieces guiding me it's it, it been like a whole thing but really it started my mom and then my father finally stepped in eventually uh, because he was kind of like apprehensive about it because he didn't think how can i be able to survive in a world you know, that's very different from how he grew up. And now, you know, where the world is and moving in more of that modern time, how am I gonna be accepted by society when you don't have a huge portion of people who understand that? Whereas in where he grew up and he grew up in Nolands, but he grew up in a, in a place where everyone were very much in touch with those energies and spiritual, um, spirituality and so forth at that level, because a lot of people came from over, from Africa and different places and Native American and things of that nature. So I began to um, have that support of my mom has been really intelligently resourced because she's helped me be able to, times where I wanted to throw in the white towel and be like, I'm done, I don't wanna do this anymore. I just wanna live a normal life and be a normal person and have a normal job. And she's like, that's not why you were created. You're not here to have a normal life and a normal job. And you know all these types of things are here to serve the people. And so, you know, you need to really put that aside or maybe go on a walkabout, experience those things and see if those things actually connect with you on a soul level. And if they don't, then come back and be who you were born to be. And that's how I've been living my life.
1: Amazing, amazing that you had those positive influences from a young age as well to, like you say, understand it and have guide you as well. So let's talk about shamanism then. So many people might be listening to this like, what on earth is that? What's a shaman? So what is shamanism and how did you become one?
2: Yeah, so shamanism is not the woo-woo base that people make because of Hollywood loves to depict shamans as these crazy guys who walk around with skeletons and bones and rattles and shakers and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Shamanism is actually... Uh, really about understanding human development and human ecology, recognizing anthropology, sociology, connectivity to nature. So it's all about relationships. Shamanism is built on the foundation that the key for um, all tribe cultures, and that means African tribes, Mongolian, Sami people, any type of tribe that has ever been on this earth, the foundations of shamanism are the same and it's all based in relationship. It's relationship to helping people in the tribe thrive, to be able to see their relationship to the food they're eating, to the way they hunt, to the way they're and gather, how they utilize those resources. Are they beneficial for the balance of nature or is it taking more than what they should be taking? And how is it that people are operating in their autonomy versus in their uh, collective? Because it's one thing to be a person who lives life, but, and be, but you're constantly people pleasing, which means you're not operating in your autonomy, which means you're actually causing more havoc in your life in the lives of others just because you're a people pleasing person versus you actually being very clear with who you are in your autonomy and that you do things because you want to not because you have to not because you feel like someone's going to be mad at you or judge you or get upset with you if you don't do something for them or you're not going to be loved or you're going to be ostracized or you know all these things so shamanism is about really reflecting into the life of modeling love at the highest level and utilizing intelligence through lexicon, uh, communication of intelligence, like how one is communicating intelligence to another being. How one is operating within their environment, their social environment, and how they're operating with their ancestral connections with their family members who are on the other side, and so really building that wellspring—what uh, we really call wellness. And so, when people think of the wellness world, they don't realize that a lot of the wellness world was derivative from shamanism and different cultures that held those those concepts of shamanism, like the you know the Hindu people and you know and um, people who are studying Ayurveda. And, um, you know, all of these different um, cultures and the Chinese medicine, all that came from shamanism. And so the key element is how science basically pushed away shamanism and made it very woo woo, mm-hmm. when now what's happening and what I've done is basically take shamanism and bring it back to the mainstream. And that's why I've, I've been, you know, a reoccurring role in The Doctors and Good Morning America and, you know, featured in People and Vanity Fair and all these different you know publications and speaking on major mental health boards and um, and with fortune 500 companies and CEOs and so forth because shamanism is an overlooked understanding people think shamanism is a religion it's not shamanism is a is a way of life it's a lifestyle choice it means that you choose to live in harmony with everyone around you and everything that is and so you're you're you when you notice the wind You don't just see the wind. You actually know that the wind is a spirit. So when the wind touches you, you're like, oh, hello, wind. You know, and when you see a tree, you don't just walk by. You're like, hello, trees. You know, like you acknowledge everything in God's kingdom. You don't just kind of think, oh, I'm this superior being walking around you know doing what i want to do and everything is about benefiting me to feel safe and have some form of structure of security because security again is subjective based upon what's happening on the planet economics what's happening in one's household what's happening in one's decision making process whereas in shamanism is about teaching you sustainability thriving how to connect into community how to build community and how to connect and see that everything around you is a living spirit so have that reverence and respect for it if you truly love God. In shamanism, we say to truly love creation is to love what creation created. So if you just walk by a tree and don't even notice it and say hello to it, are you really acknowledging God? Or are you only acknowledging the parts of God that you feel comfortable with? And that's how shamans actually formulate a lot of their teachings and wisdoms is through the act of relationship.
1: Mm, I love that I love everything you said and like for me I didn't really hear of the term shaman until a couple of years ago and I thought it was just people you would go to for plant medicine ceremonies or things like that so reading your book has been really eye-opening because I'm like wow like they do so much more and it's so much more intricate like you say and I love I love everything you said with that it can definitely help so many people for sure so let's talk about this book then spirit hacking so what does spirit hacking mean to you?
2: So, you know, I looked at shamanism from the perspective of human development and where human beings have derived from the idea of placing a day. So in ancient days, we saw the heart as the main functioning tool of our awareness. So we communicated from the heart. We listened to people through our hearts. We made decisions from our heart, and we, all, we understood that if our heart was not in alignment, It wasn't in alignment with us. And as science began to grow and develop, which came out of shamanism, because the shamans were the first one who integrated with the plants and the nature and started helping people making certain types of Uh, healing and rituals and then it turned into the royal families and the kings and queens offering the shaman an opportunity to have more availability to equipment and technology and they became the alchemists, and then the alchemist became the physician and the physician became the doctor. But it was it's the same. It's just, you know, but what they did was they took away the heart element and they made the mind, the brain be considered the most important organ in the body. So then they built a whole psychology based on the brain. And and so literally what happens is when people are operating in this kind of like brain thinking mentality, they don't realize that the brain is a polarity organ. Its whole purpose is to create duality. The duality is subjectively created by your upbringing your association to what you believe or not believe and what domestication behaviors you've learned through your parents through trial and error so for instance if your parents said no don't do that instead of you saying well that's their fears That's something that they haven't worked through. Children will accept that don't do that because they don't want to be not loved and they don't want to be ostracized and they don't want to be made fun of and they don't want to be neglected. So children will naturally go along with what their parent's system is, but their system could be flawed. So when you grow up, then you go, oh, my God, I have spending all this time backpedaling going back and, and going seeing psychologists and psychotherapists and healers and all these things to just clear up all the lies that I was told of of my ability to be this uh, immense powerful being a possibility right this quantum creator and 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 that's that's a that's a problem you see and so you know we, we have to move into a space of realizing that the potential of humanity is not governed by one system it's governed by our ability to engage and to be non threatened by other people's beliefs ideas or ways they choose to live their lives so that we can live in congruency or in harmony would be the better word with each other
1: I love that I love every single thing you said yes 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 so In your book, you talk about the blackout and this really intrigued me. And when I read the chapter, I was like, oh, my gosh, because this book was published in 2019, wasn't it? So what is the blackout and how can we navigate this?
2: So, you know, we're talking the question you had before, which we're talking about, like the, the spirit hacking. I've taken shamanism and moved it into psychology and kinesiology and understanding of of human development and um, emotional intelligence and created what is called the spirit hacker. So the spirit hacker is not a being who's living in fear, a spirit hacker is a being who's able to see that, yes, we are going through challenging times on our planet. The blackout is what happened with coronavirus. It's the the blackout is what's going to be happening after coronavirus. The blackout is a 12 year cycle of us going through every place in our life where we have not come into a place of true harmony. Every place where we've been lying, deceiving, betraying and um, eliminating because of fear out of society without coming into a place of love, redemption, compassion, um, connectiveness. What's a value to us? What's really important to us? So the blackout is there to, to basically reflect to us how and what we are doing as human beings as a collective with our energy and how we're operating individually so that we can see that our, everything that's showing up right now is how we've been operating as a society of people stuffing everything under the rug you know buying things so that we can look good you know um, getting more likes and loves on instagram so we can seem popular so we can be loved uh, you know uh, being acknowledged doing things to to succeed in life so that we can be acknowledged So we can be seen so we can matter. But that's not the reason to live. It's not to to, to matter and to, to be loved by a person who doesn't even know you and doesn't even understand you more than you could ever understand yourself. The, the understanding of this level of deceit and betrayal has been playing out for too long on our planet, so nature and the spirits have made a decision that the only way to get us to see what's really important is to take it away from us, not as a punishment, but as a renewal of refinement. And I say this a lot because a lot of times get people get stuck in this very black and white duality of God punishes and rewards you like Santa Claus. That's all created by the matrix. The idea of punishment is subjective to each person, depending upon what they believe punishment looks like. The consciousness of evolution is not governed in punishment. It's governed in refinement. It's about refining the qualities of life so that you can live a greater life. And that's why I wrote the book Spirit Hacking, because Spirit told me there's a blackout coming. You need to get the people ready for what's coming the book was supposed to be called 2020 are you ready the blackout but my publishers thought it was a little too cryptic and they thought like the whole blackout meant like it could be a racial tension like blackout, instead of it being more about what i was actually saying so what they did was they said well can we come up with a different name so i spent some time with my buddy dave asprey in, in, in Vancouver, and he's like, Dirk, I, you've been doing spirit hacking. I'm the biohacker. You're the spirit hacker. Call your book Spirit Hacking, and really like you know, and then you can talk about the blackout in your book, so that your publishers feel comfortable to publish the book without them being afraid of the retribution that's going to come towards them for creating something that might be cuckoo or crazy when it's a mainstream publishing house like Macmillan. You know, so again. You know, being able to play the game of the matrix, you know, and do what is necessary to be able to get the message through in whatever way that shows up. but also at the same time saying very true and authentic to who I am as a shaman. I'm not the shaman who's walking around with moccasins or you know, wearing a that I see people wear in these very spiritual conventions and like beads and like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm I'm you know, as you can see, I'm like wearing a necklace that says SD on it. You know, from the grand plaza, this girl made me this necklace, this amazing girl. I wear a vest. I wear rock and roll t-shirts, ripped up jeans, cowboy boots. You know, I, 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 in my book, I curse. You know, I'm not, I'm not the average type, what people would think is the idea of what they think a shaman should be. I am a radical for the purpose of moving you by making you shake it up to wake it up. Right. And so get you out of your boxes and your belief systems that this is what a shaman is, this is what a woman is, this is what a man is, this is what a gay person is, this is what a this is. All of that is nonsense. And I'm getting you into an understanding that you can be however you want to be and still be amazing and powerful, but you don't need to fit in a box because you weren't, God never intended you to fit in a box. That's a society that built those boxes so they can control you and sell you a bunch of shit you don't need.
1: Amen to every single word you said there. I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Loved it all. And like you say, I bet your publishers are like, oh my God, everything you wrote came true.
2: Oh yeah, they're tripping. They're like, I wish we would have went with that book.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. But it came okay. out the way it was meant to. And you know, like I said, it it's it, although we're only a year into this twelve year period, it's you know, I think it's great for people to read to understand more what's happening, like you say, and how we can shift and i think everybody listening and i know i'm myself and i don't know about you like i've completely changed in the last year i'm like i've shed so many layers i've done so much inner work and i think you know we're going to continue to see that over the next few years as we transition like you say um because i've heard diana cooper call it the golden age is that what you call 2032 or do you have a different name for it
2: i wouldn't call it the golden age quite yet uh, I would definitely say that we're moving through the period of darkness on our planet. That's why we had all those eclipses. It was preparing us for the shift. And um, everything that happened with like 9-11 and all these, these were all precursors to the, the birthing issues of humanity that are being played out on the grand stage of life. And I think the golden age will come when we have made a decision as a collective of global citizenry, that we are choosing on our planet to um, be done with war. Mm-hmm. Because there's no need for us to kill our brothers and sisters for the sake of some government that's telling us to do it, mm-hmm. you know, and and then rewarding us with some kind of like college uh, education or some kind of like, you know, uh, you know, some kind of retirement fund, but this is what you get for dropping a bomb on someone that you don't even, that is still your brother and sister And God, we're all connected. So you're literally dropping a bomb on your own family members. And we haven't yet gotten to a place of realizing that the reason why there's so much chaos and destruction in the world Is because human beings don't feel loved and appreciated and valued so you have one country who feels like they're being disregarded and all the money and all the support is going to someone else but not to them because no one understands their belief system so then they get angry and they're like we want to get back and then they become the terrorist and a lot of times terrorists become terrorists because they think they're doing it in good measure but they're not of course, we know that because that's where that's where they're, they're, the, the mental, um, uh, what you call it, dis, uh, dissonance and, uh, has come in because they don't realize that they feel like they're making a, a statement of saying, here we are, look at us. See, you thought we weren't so powerful because it's all insecurity. So we have to blow stuff up in order to be seen and heard. Which is no different from a kid going to school and saying, Well, I don't get love from my mom and dad, so why don't I spray paint the school wall? Oh, look, my mom and dad are yelling at me. Well, at least I'm getting attention there. So I'll just keep doing more of that to get more attention. So we keep, so we on earth, we keep acknowledging these structures of imbalance as the main attention, focus, and draw from what's really important, which is love and kindness and generosity and, and showing up and engaging and holding space for women, doing microfunding for women to help women put the, to, to off balance, the, 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 the way off balance um, nonsense of men holding the, the, the coin purse to women actually having position in power to be able to have money to build businesses that are thriving and supporting uh, the community because women are always thinking about community and men are always thinking about themselves. And so, and the key element is getting out of men thinking about themselves because they're always stuck in fear that they're not gonna be able to survive. And women are always really uh, stuck in this idea that they can't survive unless everyone survives. So they always sacrifice and they, you know, everything to everyone around them and burn themselves out and no one is going in and saying, hey, let me give you this amount of money. Let me give you this. Let me give you some seed money for this. So you can change the economical standards that's happening on Earth and really bring about a new understanding of what it means. That's why I'm very much into decentralization. And that's why I'm into Bitcoin and the big cloud, because I feel that. The system, the, or, the, the government keeps printing more and more money, mm-hmm. and the more they print more and more money, the money becomes va- less valuable, less valuable, less valuable. So where you think you have all this money in the bank, before you know it, your bank can call you one day, just like we had the whole situation with corona, all of a sudden the banks are going to call everybody and be like, I'm sorry, but um, your money has no more value. It's all gone.
1: Mm-hmm. Which we wouldn't know whatever. what to do with. I mean you imagine do? that like I used to be a banker I used to work in a bank and like I can't even imagine what that would be like for people and how you know it would destroy so many lives and people would be you know without but like you say with crypto coming in and everything it's you know that Aquarius age of challen- challenging us to look at different ways new ways of doing things and like you say putting the power back in the people's hands and
3: yes,
1: creating that yes 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 So uh, I'm learning about crypto i've got a little bit myself i'm like dipping my toes in as such but no it's definitely i agree with you it's definitely interesting it's so
2: important right now that we stop going in this merry go round of the way we've been operating as human beings on earth that's why things are shaking us up right now it's not trying you know i told my friend I said, you're suffering only because you don't know how to adapt. If human beings learned adaptation from a young age, that things will change. Your restaurant that you go to may close down one day. Just be okay with this. You know, know, it's like the person you're dating, you might wake up and realize that they're not amplifying the highest amount of love with you. So you might just choose to let them go with love and not have to go through this crazy battle battle of hate and anger and you hurt me and you betrayed me it's like no you did me the greatest favor you revealed to me who you are so I can make a decision of who I am thank you no we intend we play victim oh my pain body my hurt I'm so hurt I'm so this this is so ridiculous we can we moving through the Aquarian age is the water bearer it's the one who dumps out it doesn't say he holds on to the water and puts it in a jug and, and hangs out with it No, he dumps it out and grabs more water. So if the water bearer of Aquarian age is about us being able to see that there are different ways to do things, different ways to operate, wouldn't it be in our best interest as a civilization of humanity to learn to be more flexible, more, you know, changeable, more comfortable with adaptation so that we can understand that sustainable evolution is not found in material possessions. It's found in the one who's able to adapt.
1: hmm exactly exactly and you know I think I think that's the one thing I see like with my work I I talk mainly about the law of attraction and you know the one thing I see time and time again is people like how do I deal with change how do I deal with uncertainty how do I let go and that's been my number one lesson absolutely and it's been god hard but the lessons that have come in I'm like thank you as awful as that was at the time it taught me how to like you say adapt be comfortable with the uncertainty and be able to realize you know I guess look at it from more that spirit perspective than my human perspective of like, oh, that relationship ended, oh, that ended, oh, this happened and actually it's like, the person I am now is like so way better off than she was like four or five years ago. So I love what you say about the evolution side of things. Absolutely. So I wanna talk about the shadow self because I don't talk about the shadow self enough here on this podcast and you're the perfect person to ask this to. So what is the shadow self and why is it important to embrace this outside of duality?
2: So the reason why is because most people who live on earth play within the field of duality because the matrix has built it that way for you. The whole uh, understanding of competition and when you're going to school and you have to get good grades. So if you get good grades, you get rewarded to move on and you get a better life. And if you don't, then you're an outcast and you have to work some crappy job. All of these things were set up to create a division of those who have and those who don't. And the consciousness of duality is also held within the good and the bad. And and so people have been using dualistic structures to basically solve major world issues and not even just the world major issues, but just individual conflicts that they may have with a friend or a family member in the most, what I call... um, in balanced way, because the idea of putting anything in duality and using utilizing your polarity brain to actually make a decision takes you out of synergy, takes you out of quantum energy, and puts you back into the seat of, of, of separation and division. So the shadow has always been looked at as this evil thing that you have to deal with, this part of your being that you have to confront. But what people don't understand is that the idea of confrontation is not meant to be one of negativity, but one of joy and pleasure and elation for their ability to see and witness your power through truth. That means what? That means your truth and my truth are completely going to be different. But I'm not here to tell you that your truth is wrong. You have to find that out with your shadow because your shadow is your higher self in disguise playing the game of your shadow to see if you are so much a being of love that you would take it out of duality a quantum entanglement and bring it back to what it really is, what it's your light in disguise. It's the part of your being that will never lie to you. It's a part of your being that will tell you exactly what you're doing. If I say shadow... Uh, what do you think about me eating this? It says, absolutely not, because you have, you're have you eating this. You're about to go to bed. You're going to gain so many calories. Your body's not going to be able to get rid of it. And then you're going to get in the scale and beat up on yourself. It's not necessary. Don't eat it. It's not going to be like, well, you know, um, it's up to you. No, the shadow is your light. It is the part of your being that holds the highest truth for you so that you can be in what we call in a resonant field of harmony. Right. That means that you are operating in full integrity, full autonomy, full awareness of yourself so that you know how to integrate, connect and engage with other people in a harmonious way versus a disharmonious way because you are in disregard to your own self. People only act against themselves because they're against themselves. That's it. When people say mean things, it's not because it has anything to do with you. It's because they're doing it to themselves. When someone says, I don't feel like anyone understands me, what they're saying is, I don't understand everyone. They're communicating to you from a a polar opposite that's been created out of the, the separation of duality and the fact that they don't want to take full responsibility, which I mean the ability to show up with love towards the things that they have created judgments about. So a person who has money problems will say, I have money problems. I'm like, you don't have money problems at all. What you have is that you have a bad relationship with money. The spirit of money that wants to be in your life to create this over flourishing of abundance and prosperity so you can bring good things in your life and good things in other people's lives is not getting the great relationship. You have more better relationship with your coffee and your latte and your mocha cappuccino than you do with money and people they are like what? I'm like yeah, you if I go spirit of of cappuccino and coffee, what's your relationship with such and such and such? Oh, we we're, we're great. We hang out every day. We have great conversations. It's wonderful. There's a great mutual understanding. Then I say what money? What is your relationship? Money says, "Oh, they they think I'm I'm evil and they 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 want to push me away, but they need me, but then they push me away. They don't want me in their life. I feel completely neglected. And so again, from a shamanic point of view, I have to look at why are you you taking these things and moving them into duality versus just realizing your relationship with them? Mm -hmm. If you have negative people coming into your relationship with you, What does that mean about how you're treating yourself? Mm -hmm. You can't go into a bar or a pub in England and be this being who's loving on yourself, buying yourself gifts, adorning yourself, waking up every day telling yourself how amazing, how beautiful, how badass you are. And then you think you're going to walk into a bar, into a pub in England? you know, and Knightsbridge or wherever, and you go in and you think you're going to meet someone who's going to disrespect you and be rude to you? Absolutely not. Because your frequency won't even allow you to see them. They won't exist in your peripheral because you only things that show up in your life are the things that you've been treating yourself with that is a reflection of being modeled by you to your ego, to the universe of what you believe is real in your life
1: exactly exactly and if we talk about like you know law of attraction and vibration exactly what you said there you're you know attracting quote-unquote those you know experiences and people to you to experience whether it's soul contract or whatever but you know like you say it's that energetic frequency that is is there as such um, and I love what you said about how the shadow self is our higher self in disguise I was like Oh, I love that. I've never heard that before. I love that. So what are your top tips for working with the shadow self and finding peace within yourself, would you say?
2: So I would say the first tip is to redefine your relationship with the shadow, right? Is to get out of duality, break the quantum entanglement and get out of this need to demonize everything and really bring it back to the center and the nucleus of love. Shadow, I'm sorry for the way I've been treating you. I know I've been demonizing you. I know I've been making you this evil thing. It wasn't okay. And I'm sorry. Um, you, I know that I've heard that you are my higher self and my light in disguise. Why don't I listen to you? And you can write it on a piece of paper, shadow, how come I don't listen to you and write the answer right after without thinking. And that's the shadow communicating to you, or you can do it verbally. You know, when I talk to the shadow, I can talk to the shadow right now, shadow. Why is it that human beings don't listen to you? They said, because human beings have free will and they want to do what they want to do. They don't want to hear the truth i see and shadow if human beings were to listen to you like lock stock and barrel like no excuses like full on i'm gonna listen to you what would become of their lives heaven on earth
3: i think we
1: all want some of that
2: (laughs) so you telling me shadow that because human beings don't listen to you They run their own free will programs and they're using their own ability without seeking the guidance of the light that you represent, which is truth, is why they suffer. They suffer because they want to be right about nonsense instead of coming to me and getting the truth and therefore setting themselves free from the nonsense. Love
1: it love it and you know what I think when I spiritually awakened you know five years ago and the law of attraction was the first thing I found um and since then I've gone down a whole spiritual path of like going way deeper and so much deeper than law of attraction but what I've seen and what I'm really passionate about sharing as well now is that you have this like toxic positivity that's like just be love and light just be positive just ignore your shadow self and it's like oh my God, like the problems were still there when I did that, you know, like nothing was good. Nothing was better. And then like you say, where you integrate that shadow and love the shadow and work with the shadow, whether it's like in a child work or whatever you go, what path you go down, you know, you're not, you're not coming from that place of that toxic positivity. You're coming from that place of like you say, you're integrating it and seeing it for the truth that it is. So why do you think people are this whole like, just love and light, just be positive.
2: First of all, the whole—I have a whole chapter in my book called "Love and Light My Ass," and literally, the whole love and light concept was a theory that was created by the concept that if you stay in a place of love and light, everything's going to be fine. But it's not possible because you're—in order to remove density. Limitation lack, scarcity and fear. You have to be a good alchemist. You can't just love and light your way through things. You have to be willing to understand that those energies exist and you have the ability to alchemize them into love. Now that's true love and light. But love and light people have what we call a holier than thou superiority. And the holier than now superiority is the idea that because they went to India or because they did ayahuasca, or because they had this crystal meditation or because they you know, are drinking their green smoothies or their matcha teas or whatever the heck they're doing these days, right, that they are more spiritual than you and you're not at their spiritual level. And so if you don't give them heart to heart hugs and give them their militant hug, which I call it the militant hug. And they and you don't meet and you don't use words like, oh, my God, I don't resonate with that when, in fact, you actually do because you actually paying attention to it. So spirits already telling you that's a bunch of lies. But the point I'm making is, is that (laughs) the the point I'm making is that the love and light community is not operating in the field of intelligence that requires us to transmutate darkness and bring it to the light. They're just saying I'm love and light, but they don't want to go sit in the places that need that light. So a lot of times when I've come across people who are like free hugs, free hugs at all these like Burning Man festivals and whatnot, you know, I and I have no problem with people who go to Burning Man. I said I don't I don't need sand up my ass, but I'm the type of person who enjoy being, you know, in Sardinia and Greece and enjoying a nice you know, hang out by the water and the ocean jumping in and in, in the Mediterranean. I don't really enjoy it, but a lot of people like that. You know, a lot of people like being in that very, you know, uh, what I call it, Mad Max vibe, you know, and, and perhaps, I, you know, I, I will venture into that space. But when I meet a lot of people from those worlds, they do these free hugs, so I say, okay. Well, I'm going off right now to, you know, with a friend, and we're going to be meet, meeting up with people who are coming off the boats of refugees who could really use those hugs. Are women who are coming out of the the, the trade stations where they're being trafficked and they haven't had a real hug other than someone touching them for sexual purposes. And finally, someone's gonna give them a hug. When I give these women hugs, they collapse in my arm and tell me I'm a good man. How and they can feel the love and they feel the healing that's coming through. These women have just been used sexually, sexually, sexually. They, I mean, just to have someone say, I wanna give you a hug. You know, just come back into the hug, you know, children who have been, you know, put through so much pain and just come into a place of a hug. Uh, people who are coming off the boats who've been just being shuffled from one country to the next because they, they they can't find a place that's going to take them. They just want to hug, you know, you know, and I asked these people, do you want to come with me? I'll pay for your ticket. I'll pay for you to come. Just come be with me. And my friend, she's a celebrity. Let's just go and let's just go be there for the people. No Silence, crickets, 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 crickets. No, they don't want to do that. Why? Because they're not really love and light. They're love and light for the purpose of being uh, gratification, grandizement, and the acknowledgement of I'm a spiritual being, but spirituality isn't antiquated based upon you saying that you're spiritual or doing spiritual actions like going to India or taking ayahuasca or basically doing your downward dogs at your yoga studio every, every Wednesday, Thursday and Friday, that doesn't constitute you as spiritual. Those are things that you're doing to be able to deal with things to get you to be more spiritual, but it doesn't mean you're spiritual. Spirituality is evolution and evolution can only happen when you're willing to embrace, engage with another person and teach them how to be in their power and how to put the power back in their hands and how to be autonomous so that their cups get full and then what runs over their cups goes into another vessel and another vessel and another vessel and another vessel and, another vessel. and before you know it, you have got as amazing people's lives that you've touched by the millions just by that one integrative love experience of being an ambassador of love to that one person that is now translated to millions of people. And that is the true value of success on our planet. Not how popular you are, not how many likes you have on your Instagram, not how cool your outfit is and how many cool parties you get invited to and how many times you did uh, a cat and child pose. It is literally about... (laughs) your interface with life. And that, so that to me, that whole love and light culture, you know, I'm not here to, to make it like this bad thing. If that's what people want to do, then you go ahead and do it, but just get out of my way. When I'm at the front line, I don't need you trying to say, you're going to come to the front line and you're not really going to come to the front line. It's like what Dr. Martin Luther King said, he said, the people who are the worst in the world are not the racists, people who are in your face calling you names and slurs out of their mouth of vulgarities. It's the people who see the problems in the world and do absolutely nothing to change it. That I believe is something that I believe very strongly in the core of my being and what I stand for.
1: Absolutely, 100% agree with you there. Everything you said, just yes, yes, yes. So my last question for you today then before we let you go is what is one piece of life advice that you would like to leave my listeners with?
2: You know, the life advice that I would leave you with is to make sure that you are acknowledging all of your accomplishments and all of your successes and everything you overcame that was an adversity, not as something you overcame and you moved on, but as an acknowledgement, you know, write it down, create something that a book of all those things you've accomplished, even the smaller micro Um, quantum leaps to the bigger macro quantum leaps need to be in a book. Um, So that way you can see all of those things, those power energies you made, and those things can be then attributed to or brought into, as we say, currency for the things you're going through now or the things that you will continue to go through. So that way you're never thinking, oh, I can't believe I'm going through this. It's like, no, wait, I've, I've overcome so much in my life. I can overcome this as well. Right. And so when you actually see that and you understand that, wow, this is the book of my acknowledgements. And then really, a lot of times people have these gratitude journals, which is like, great, you know, you're, gra- you're grateful for your kids on a roll. Yay. Eh. So, you know, it's like, okay, great, you know, but let's focus our gratitude journals on being grateful for the shitty things that happened to us because those are the things that shaped and, and 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 informed you and made you into a diamond with all that, you know, this pressures and things you experience and then create an acknowledgement journal of acknowledging yourself, acknowledging your wisdom, acknowledging your power, acknowledging the energy that you create every day. And so gratefulness for all the things that you suffered that was horrible and disgusting and vile. And then an acknowledgement journal of acknowledging yourself and really be able to reflect into those things. And then the last thing I would say, which is the most important of all, is don't let go of that little child inside. If you get too, too serious and you get too uh, a stiff upper lip, and you get too much caught up in your need to be perfect, this isn't a world of perfection. It just isn't. If it was, I could smash a glass right now and the glass would reshape itself. This isn't a world of perfection. This is a world of refinement, how we choose to refine ourselves. It is not about perfection. So we have to always look at everything from a playful position, you know? Laugh about things when they show up. You know, oh my God, how silly, how funny is that? I was getting so hard on myself and I really need to lighten up. Be a kid, have some fun. And it doesn't mean having fun, go to a casino and do these things, but have fun like a kid would. Go to the park, swing on a swing set, paint a picture, learn how to do sculpting, you know? Play, do arts with your hands, work in the garden, do something I should say, play in the garden and create things in the garden. Let's get rid of the word work, shift that to play and just be in a playful spirit. If you are starting a business or doing anything, even in your relationships, one of the greatest reasons why my relationship does so well is because her little girl and my little boy know each other and we laugh all the time. We play, we crack jokes. You know, we skip, we we slow dance at the polo fields. You know, we we, we enjoy being children together. We build forts and go under them and read books to each other. You know, like the moment you take that away from life, you've lost it. You've lost it. So to get it back, keep it in there. Keep that child alive in your business, in your love life, with your friends, in every aspect of what you do. Make sure your inner child, your playful spirit is with you. Because the moment that playful spirit's gone, God is gone.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, so important. And I love what you said about the acknowledgement journal as well. I'm definitely going to do that. I haven't done one of those before. So I'm really excited to try that. Thank you for sharing that. So where can my lovely listeners find out more about Yushama Dirk if they want to learn more about your work?
2: Thank you. So you can um, you can either follow me and connect with me on BitCloud which is my social media of a blockchain that I'm on. You can also check me out on Instagram. Where I put up posts the, uh, every day to inspire you, delight you and give you and put the power back in your hands. You can also go to the shaman school and check out my classes, at the shaman school. If you want to up-level your powers, come to the healing temple every Saturday for a reboot. And again, check out my podcast, ancient wisdom today podcast. We bring on amazing speakers and send me a message because I respond to my DMs. Send me a message on BitCloud, Send me a message on Instagram. Oh, also you can connect with me in Clubhouse. I have a room called the Spirit Hackers Club. We bring in great speakers, great doctors, great uh, people from all walks of life—from doulas to to um, you know environmentalists to you know uh, everyone and, and everyone you can imagine to have a conversation and how we can develop ourselves even better as superhumans on planet earth so if you see me speaking in a room come up on stage and say hi if you see me in public come and give me a hug and yeah you know let's have a great time together let's live life you know if you see me in london wherever i travel a lot come and give me a hug
1: well, I definitely will be if I ever get the pleasure of meeting you for sure. If you're ever in London, then absolutely. I will be giving you a great big hug. And I've been to one of your clubhouse rooms as well. Actually, they are awesome. So highly, highly recommend. And of course, you can get Shaman Durek's book, Spirit Hacking, now from any places that sell books worldwide and highly recommend that. I'm I'm two chapters in at the moment. So I'm still very early on, but I'm really enjoying it so far. So I can't wait to read more of it. But thank you so, so much, Shaman Durek, for being here today. It's been an absolute honor having you. And I've just loved every single pearl of wisdom that you've given us so thank you so much
2: thank you for having me it's a pleasure thank you it's been an honor
1: so thank you so much guys for joining me for another one of my podcast episodes i really hope you've enjoyed Sharma Dirk and i's conversation today as always you can find a clickable link to Sharma Dirk's website in the description below and if you want to find out anything more about my coaching my free content or videos that i have to offer you can find it all on emmamumford.co.uk So thank you so much guys for listening. I appreciate all your views and listens. Don't forget to subscribe if you're new here because I would love, love to see you again soon. Don't forget you can join my free Law of Attraction support group over on Facebook where I can join myself and other like-minded souls where we talk all things Law of Attraction and spirituality. I hope you have a great week, whatever you're up to and I'll see you all in my next podcast episode which will be next week. Lots of love guys.